Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Good morning to all of you today. <clears throat> it is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to see all of you today. Uh, beautiful morning and so glad that you're here. We want to welcome just everybody in Crookston, of course. Uh, I was there on Wednesday just at the prayer meeting. It was a wonderful time of seeking the Lord. And, and if you're a Crookston man, you need to be at that seven o'clock prayer meeting. It's awesome. Uh, and then just all of our online family. Uh, as you know, we're going through a series of sermons entitled Battle Ready from Ephesians chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Or if you'd like, you, uh, the, the verses will be on the screen. Uh, Ephesians 6.10, Paul said this, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. He didn't say be strong in yourself. He says be strong in the Lord and in his might. Uh, we talked about that the very first sermon. Put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up to you the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm there. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. This morning, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 16, we just read it. It says, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Roman soldiers in this day were known to carry two different uh, kinds of shields. One was a small uh, handheld circular shield. When you think of that, think Captain America, okay? Uh, although I don't think that these Roman soldiers threw their shields. The other shield was much larger. When you think of this shield, think of a door. Actually, the word uh, in the Greek, as this was written, the word for this shield is the same word that, that's, 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 that's synonymous with the word door, which is really interesting. So it's like these guys were carrying a door around. These shields were oblong uh, in, in shape, but were about four feet high, two and a half feet wide. And so when they would go into battle, they would carry one of these shields. And, and, and you know, for personal protection. But uh, one of the benefits was just studying on all this. One of the benefits was this, that, that when the enemy was coming, they could all stand together and they would make up this, 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 this literal barricade against the enemy. Or, or they would say, even if it was over top or something, wherever, wherever it, it may be. So they use those two shields. And Paul says, in addition to the belt of truth, in addition to the breastplate of righteousness, in addition to the shoes of peace, in addition to those things, those are great. We got to have all those things. But in addition to that, take up the shield of faith wherewith you can extinguish the flaming arrows or the fiery darts of the enemy. Thought it was kind of interesting, but, but weapons of warfare in these early Roman days involved horse-drawn chariots, not as much like armored chariots, but it was more about speed and, 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 and just being nimble with these horses and the chariots. It involved spears, it involved swords, it involved knives, it involved daggers and arrows. 
And as I was thinking, like Paul says, therefore, like, like take up the shield of faith so that you can stop the, the, you know, the onslaught of the chariots. He doesn't say that. He doesn't talk about the spears. Uh, 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 he says, so that you can stop the flaming arrows of the enemy. I raided my arrow cache today, <laughs> okay? Uh, and so this is, this is an arrow that, it's, it's a carbon arrow. Uh, and I don't know how much this thing weighs. There, there's no, there's not, there's no broadhead. I took, there's no field point on, there's nothing, okay? So you know it's very safe. Uh, but, but, I mean, this thing is so incredibly light. This, this carbon arrow. And I was thinking, like, why, why does Paul talk about that, the, the smallest of all, of all weapons, of, of the Roman weapons? I mean, it's, it's, it's so small, but it's not just any arrow. He says it's the flaming arrow. It's a flaming arrow. Think medieval movies, Robin Hood, Braveheart, Okay. You know what I'm thinking about, right? And so what happens is they take these arrows and maybe they wrap some old rag or something or, or certainly pitch and they wrap, you know, they, they dump the, that, dip it in there and they light that thing and then they take that and they launch it against the enemy. That, that, that's what Paul's talking about, these, these flaming arrows. I imagine that, that's, that, that, that probably often with the, the shields that the flaming arrow would, would hit the, the shields and, and would, would fall down and that was kind of it. Uh, these shields were made, typically again they were large, but they were oftentimes wooden framed and then wrapped in ox hides. They would take the hides of an ox and, and then wrap them. Uh, sometimes they would immerse these shields in water so that it, would, it could extinguish the flaming arrows uh, of the enemy. But, but, but the danger was this, that if, if, if you're holding this shield and an arrow penetrates the hide and gets embedded in the wood, what's going to have flame air? What's going to happen? You're not going to hold on to that thing, right? Because it's starting to burn. And so you're going to drop the shield. And when it dropped the shield, what happened is that it left you incredibly vulnerable because now you don't have any defense against the enemy. You're just standing out there like, like, all right, let's go. Like, bring it on. Because, because that the, your, your shield has been consumed in flames, and it all happened. It all happened because of a little arrow, of an arrow. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, I think that's so much like the enemy. So often, it's not the large things that take us out, but it starts small, like a flaming arrow. And it penetrates our mind. And all of a sudden, that thought that image, whatever it is, begins to grow because the fire is never, con is, is never content by just remaining small, but it's always looking to grow bigger. And so it begins to grow and grow. Flaming arrows, like what's a flaming arrow? Flaming arrow comes in the form of temptation. A flame arrow comes in the form of temptation. Uh, it, 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 it says like, like there's a promise of pleasure. There's a promise of uh, something that's to be gratified. And so I really need this. Flaming arrows are often powered by FOMO, okay? You know, FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? They're, they're, often, they're often powered by FOMO. Like, like if, if I don't get this thing, like, like if, if I don't get this thing, like I'm really missing out. And so this thing begins to grow. Like I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta do this because if I don't, I'm really missing out. Like life's getting by without me. I gotta have this. 
my life will be so much better if I'll just have this. The fear of missing out. Flaming arrows can have the form of mind talk or that, that, that chatterbox that goes off in our mind. Thoughts of doubt or uncertainty. Thoughts of, of, of inferiority or in, in, inadequacy. These flaming arrows can have the form of accusation or even slander. Flaming arrows are powered. They're powered by deception and by falsehood. They're, they're powered by fear and intimidation and doubt. Oh no, like what if this happens? Oh no, no. What happens if this happens? What ha like, like, like I, I, I don't have what it takes to be able to do that. And these flaming arrows hit and, 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 and like nobody really cares about me. I think I'm unlovable. I think God's forgotten about me. I mean, all these different flaming arrows that strike our mind, they, it always begins in our mind with these thoughts uh, like, like my life's never gonna amount to anything or whatever, whatever those core fears are that we have. Those are those flaming arrows. Your children are gonna grow up to be hellions. <laughs> or they're, you know, like, like your marriage is gonna end in divorce just like, just like your moms did, just like your grandparents did. I mean, that's just how it's gonna be. And all these things that just like fear, falsehood, doubt, insecurity, like intimidation, all those things. Flaming arrows are launched by the enemy to intimidate and to defeat the believer as well as to bring division within the church family. The problem with flaming arrows is when they strike the target of our mind and are allowed to remain, the fire begins to spread until we think that lie is the truth. Ah, I think it's true. Actually, it's the truth, though. And so, so that's really the danger of flaming arrows. You're, the, 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 you know, the arrows that the enemy... Uh, flings against you is probably different than what he flings against me. But it's all the same thing. It's to bring discouragement, defeat. To, 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 again, and they're all based in falsehood. All based in lies. Fear. We're going to miss out the flaming arrows. And Paul says the key to extinguishing flaming arrows is through the shield of faith. I like that. What does that mean? What does that mean? What's, what's the shield of faith? Well, we're going to break it down a little bit. First of all, what's faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We're, we're familiar with that verse, like that we know what that means. Faith is the confident assurance that what we are longing to see is going to happen. It's the confident assurance that what we are longing to see what I really want to see in my life, it's the assurance. I know that's going to happen. It is the certainty that what we are longing or hoping for is waiting up ahead of us. I've not experienced this yet, but I have faith that it's just around the corner. I have faith that I'm going to see, I'm going to experience the things that I'm hoping for. I have faith, that, 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 that's faith, believing this confident assurance that what we're longing to see is ahead of us, that keeps us like just motivated to, be in, to, to continue on. Okay? We're about to see, I haven't experienced this yet, but I believe, you know, every year at the end of Viking season, we always say, well, maybe next year, right? <laughs> 
having faith? Says, I've not seen it in 59 years, okay? But one day, one day, I have confident assurance that one day I'm gonna, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in that, but anyway, <laughs> the illustration kind of breaks down. But you get the idea, okay? But when we put it in God, which is where we're gonna go, it's like, ah, I, I, I get it. it, it so so that, that's, that, that's, that's what faith is. How do we get faith? Do we just like, whoo, pull it out of the air? How do we get faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by listening to the word of God. And like, God, what are you saying to me through your word? And when we read the stories of the Old Testament and we read the epistles in the New Testament, like, and then we begin to practice them, all of a sudden faith begins to well up within our hearts and within our mind. That's where faith comes. We can't have faith apart from the word of God. Faith only comes from hearing the word of God. You know, a number of years ago when I was in college, I remember our, 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 one of my professors, uh, uh, Dr. Hernando, an incredibly brilliant man, and he was talking about this verse, Romans 10, the faith comes by hearing. And he says, so he's a, he was a jogger. And so he said, I got this idea. This is how I'm going to really be like a superman of faith. And I, that was at the time where like the Sony Walkmans, any, you guys, younger people don't know what I'm talking about, but, 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 or, or these little cassette things you could strap it on your arm, you know, put it, hit play and the little cassette starts going as you're jogging. So he got like Alexander Scoresby, who's this, um, this really incredible voice. Nobody knows that either, probably like reading the New Testament and just like, okay, I'm going to get the word of God in me. And after a while he realized, he said, that's not, I mean, it's not just hearing the word of God, but you got to obey what it says. It's not just listening to what God's word says, but then you have to put your weight on it and say, all right, I'm going to believe in it. I'm going to like, this is who I am. This is what God says. And this is what he says about this situation. So I'm not just going to hear it, but I'm going to apply it. It's so important. It's so important. Spiritual maturity is not about how long you've been a believer. There, been, there are believers that have been believers sitting in churches for 40 years that are very incredibly spiritually immature because they don't, they don't apply what they're learning and what, what the Word of God says. There are individuals that have been serving the Lord just a short time but are incredibly spiritually mature because, because they're applying what, what God has been speaking to their lives and altering their life by it. And so, so, so in all of it, faith comes by listening to the Word of God. And then, then our hope for what lies ahead doesn't rest upon like my like good you know strength or my experience, but it rests on the promises of God. The promises of God. We gain faith when we acknowledge the word of God as truth. And then we align our thoughts and our behaviors with it. So this is what God says. And then this is what I'm going to believe. Not what I see with my eyes, not what I think in my mind, but this is what I'm going to believe about, he says this about this situation, then that's what I believe. He says this about me, then that's what I'm going to believe. He says this about my children, the promises he's given, then that's what I'm going to believe. He says this about my neighbors, then that's what I'm going to believe. He calls me to do this, then that's what I'm going to do. These are the promises he's given to me, then that's what I'm going to stand on. That's what he's talking about. That's where faith begins to grow. When you, be, when you begin to do that, those really simple first steps, and all of a sudden, like, well, that worked. And we've been walking it until finally we become stronger in faith because we're applying the word of God and growing by it. We walk in faith when we grasp 
I don't know exactly how to word this, but I, this is what I just wrote, wrote down uh, because I think it's so true. We walk in faith when we grasp God's unfathomable love for us as revealed in the word of God and we grasp his desire and his ability and his promises to walk with us and then to bless us as his children. When we understand this is, this is who God is and this is his heart, then I know he's gonna help me. Children, God says children are a great example because I don't ever remember any of our children, our three boys coming to me and say, Dad, I'm so worried about how we're gonna pay the mortgage payment. <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna happen. I don't know, God, I mean, Dad, I don't know how we're gonna pay the electric bill this month, Dad. I don't know, how, how's that gonna happen? How are we gonna put gas in the car? I never once had a child come to me and, and, and was so worried about that. You know why? Because like, Dad's got it. Dad's gonna take care of it. I don't have to worry about that. That's the childlike faith that looks to their father and says, it's gonna be okay, he's got it covered. And he says, that's the faith that we have, that we look to our father and say, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I'm not gonna worry about it because God has it covered. He has it covered. I know he's gonna take care of it for me. That kind of faith is what Paul is talking about when he says it's the shield of faith. It extinguishes those darts of fear. It extinguishes those darts of doubt and uncertainty. It extinguishes all those things like, I don't know, and it falls off. I don't know, but God's got it. I know he's gonna help me in it. And as I was thinking about an example, I thought of this example from the Old Testament, and I think it's just, I think it's perfect. The story is really about 12 guys the children of Israel walk, march through the desert. They've been promised the promised land. There's the border. They're gonna go into the promised land. And Moses says, guys, let's get, let's get 12 guys, one man of each of the 12 tribes. They're gonna go into the promised land and they're gonna spy out the land. All right, they're gonna spy out the land. Numbers 13, one and two. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourself men so that we may spy out the land of Canaan, which, let's read, this, let's read this together, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Who's gonna give the land to the sons of Israel? God says, I'm gonna give to you this land of promise, this land of Canaan. You will send out a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. Lord says to Moses, I've got this taken care of. I want you to get some spies. I want you to go check it out so you know what you're gonna be inheriting. And so Moses selects 12, 12 men, one from each, a, a spy from every, of each of the, or a man from each of the tribe. They go spy out the land. They're, they're in the, the promised land for 40 days. 40 days, that's a long time to be a spy. And 10 of the spies, when they come back, a lot of you know the story, 10, 12 go in, 12 come back, but 10, what happens to the 10? They give out a bad report. Let me just read it here. Numbers 13, 25. When the spies returned from spying out the land at the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. 
Thus they told him and says, we went into the land where you sent us. It really does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. You know, the, the picture is always of two men carrying, a, 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 you know, a, a tree branch and this whole cluster of grapes, uh, you know, hanging because it was such a land of prosperity. Nevertheless, they say, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw, we saw the descendants of Anak. They're living there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they're all living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go against the people because they're too strong for us. There's no way. There's no way this is gonna happen. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw, whom we saw, are men of great size. They were like descendants of giants, actually. I mean, these guys were, these guys were like, you know, like the defensive line for an NFL team. I mean, these guys are huge and bigger. We also saw, saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. Like, we, we, when we saw them, like, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were grasshoppers in their sight. And I wonder, like, how did that happen? How did that happen? Like, do these spies go, excuse me, we're conducting a survey, and we'd like to know, how do you think of us? Well, we think you're a grasshopper, you know? Like, no, I mean, like, how did that happen? It wasn't that they had done some survey. It was because in their own mind, they had already fashioned this thing. Like, we're, we're like, like grasshoppers, and you think we're grasshoppers too. We know you do. They're spying. They're not doing a door-to-door -door survey. They're, they're not doing that survey. They, they, are, they are spying out the land. They're incognito. They're like, like, you know, like undercover trying to spy out this thing. And they say, we're like grasshoppers in our eyes, but in their eyes too. They gave out this bad report. Then all the congregation lift up their voices and cried. All of the congregation, because of 10 men. Guys, this is an incredibly sad story. Lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Lord, what have you done? All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron because those turkeys had led us here. And like, if they would have been listening to God, they would have been like knowing that that's not what we were supposed to be. The whole congregation just said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. We'd rather die like in the wilderness of starvation and of thirst rather than going ahead. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader. Let's return to Egypt. They said, Moses, enough of you. We're gonna appoint a leader that's gonna like lead us back to bondage because of the report of 10 men. That's a sad story. The report that they gave was completely based on personal perspective. We became like grasshoppers on our own site, and we were like grasshoppers in their own site. The, the report they gave was completely based on all the obstacles that they saw and on all that they saw with their own eyes. Completely. 
completely based. Three different times the word saw. We saw the Nephilim. We saw the sons of Anak. We saw, we saw, that's what we saw. And this is like, like, we can't do this. And as a result, they missed it. As a result, they missed it. They missed it. They missed out on the incredible blessings and provision that, God, that the God of the universe had provided for them because they were looking at themselves. I don't know about you, but that, that, that really challenges me because I, I can have that tendency. And it, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit like this, okay? Excuse me, just a second. This is a mirror. It's a little like this. We're going into, God says, I'm going to give you the land. And you go, um, oh, I don't think this is going to happen because look, we're so small. They're so big. But I, I'm like, how is this going to happen? And we go into battle looking in the mirror and think this is the way we're going to win the battle. You can't look in the battle and say, okay, come on, come on. Look, well, hold just a second. Like, yeah, well, we're so small. Like, like we, can't, we can't go into a battle holding a mirror, looking at our own selves and our own strength. We're never going to win the battle. You can't, you got the idea? We can't, we can't go into a battle. We can't, we can't face the challenge in our life, the whole thing, like looking in the mirror. How are you going to overcome that addiction? Well, I don't know because this is what I see. How are you going to get through that sickness? I don't know because this is what I see. How are you going to like, like, how are your children going to like experience? Well, I don't know. This is what I see. How are you going to get through the marriage problem? I don't know because I know who I am. I don't, I don't know. It's not going to happen because this is all I see. And we'll never, 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 ever walk into battle victorious looking in the mirror. That's, that's what these, that's what these guys did. It was all about looking into the mirror. But there was two other guys, and their names were Caleb and Joshua. Numbers 14, verses 5 through 9. After, the, after these 10 guys give out this report, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. They fall on their faces, just like, Lord, you've got to help us. I mean, talk about... Talk about like, you know, like tension and talk about just pressure and talk about, uh, you know, like here we are at this juncture and the leaders that I have selected are now giving Moses this report. Like, like what does that mean? What's going to happen? And Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel saying, the Lord which we, the, excuse me, the land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into the land and he's gonna be the one that's gonna give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. Our protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I love, man, I love the report of these two guys. Don't fear them. They are not looking at themselves in the mirror. They're looking at who God is and saying, God, this is who you are. Lord, if you promised us, Lord, then the size of those giants is actually immaterial because you promised us. Numbers 13, the very beginning, you promised us, verses one and two, you promised us you're gonna give us this land. And God, if you promise us, then that's truth. And I will put my faith in the word of God rather than what I see when I look in the mirror rather than what I see. It was based on faith in God 
and faith in who God is and his abilities. It was not based on their own abilities. It was faith in what God had spoken to them. And let me just say this, apart from faith in God's word, those flaming arrows strike deep and they burn deep and long. But it's the kind of faith that Caleb and Joshua displayed that extinguishes those fiery arrows of the enemy and says, yeah, that may be true. They're pretty big people, but you know what? I just think my God's a little bigger than that. It's David saying, you know, yeah, that Goliath, he's a pretty big guy. But you know what? I think the one who made the sun, the earth, the moon, the stars, that's my dad. I think he's a little bigger than Goliath. It was the three Hebrew children that says, yeah, I think this fire is a little hot. But I know the one who created fire. And I think he's going to protect me from this. I think he's going to protect me from this. And he did. And so when a flaming... I mean, we could do a hundred scenarios. I'm going to do a couple of them. But when a flaming arrow strikes, we feel inadequate for the task ahead. We go, wow, I feel pretty inadequate because I know who I am. I know my past. This is just kind of who I am. But we lay the mirror aside and we say, okay, but let's, let's not look at myself. We look to the word of God and we go, well, you know what? Second Corinthians 12, nine says that his grace is more than, more than enough. Philippians 4, 19 says that I can do all things through him who enables me and strengthens me. I'm going to keep going. When a flaming arrow strikes and we feel alone, abandoned, that nobody cares, we say, well, that, that's how I feel. That's how it looks like. Because flaming arrows are so often based on feelings. We say, no, the word of God says in 1 John 3, 2, that I'm a child of God, that I've been accepted. I've been intentionally adopted into his family. Wow, I must be pretty significant and important today. When we feel bound by the failures of our past, we look in the mirror and what we see is all the, just that, that, all that stuff of the past, all, all the carnage of the past, all the things, all the people that we've hurt, all the opportunities that we've missed. We say, I think life's kind of done. I'm just going to have to live, some, some, live on some kind of substandard uh, existence. But we look in the word of God. We let that be the mirror, looking into who God is. And we realize, you know what 2 Corinthians says this, says the old things, 517, the old things are passed away. God, new things have come. Whoa. I mean, all those, yeah, the old things are past. That's the past. New things have come. When a flaming arrow strikes and we feel in turmoil and in fear, ah, because we look at our abilities or our loss, they say, hold on just a second, but what does the Word of God say? We look to the Word of God, and 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a silent mind. And it's faith, it's the shield of faith that says, God, I'm putting my weight not in what I see in the mirror or my, uh, see in the rearview mirror, but I'm putting my faith in what your Word says to me, God. Lord, I'm going to believe you. And when we do that, and those flaming arrows come, they fall off because like we're believing in God rather than in those flaming arrows. And Paul says, Paul says this, guys, if you're going to do this, you're going to walk this Christian life, you're going to be in a battle, you're going to have piles of arrows going to be flinging at you. And to walk in victory, you're going to have to be able to just like hold up that shield of faith and know who God is, know the promises of his word, and then put your weight in those things. That's going to be the key. A mirror doesn't give us an accurate description of who we are or of our abilities. I mean, I can see what I look like, but it doesn't reveal to me God's perspective or who we are, who he has made us to be. I only get a, I only get a vision of, of who I am 
by looking into the word of God. That, 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 that's, that's, that's the only thing that gives us that perspective. So a number of years ago, I remember we had moved here. We're planting Freedom Church. I've never planted Freedom Church before. I've never planted a church in my life. I've been a pastor for a few years, but I've never planted a church and like, you know, got people believing us and people are helping us financially to plant a church. I'm like, man, I'm kind of, what is going to happen? And so I like, we do everything we can. Like, how do we plant a church? We go to conferences, how to church planting boot camp. Okay, that's what it was called. And, and it was great. It was awesome. Uh, I'm reading books. We're going through these things. And one day as I'm reading this book, not this book, but a reading a book, it's like, most successful church planters are more entrepreneurial. If you want to have a successful church, you have to be planted by successful church planters. And here's what it says. You have to be, the church planter must be more entrepreneurial than pastoral. And I'm going, I'm not entrepreneurial. I mean, I know God's called me to be a pastor. Okay, I guess I don't qualify for that one. Okay, well, I missed one. Church planters must be, they, they must be, uh, I mean, it, it just went down all this list. They must be like more like, like what do you call it when you're outgoing? Charismatic, they gotta be more uh, extrovert, that's what the word, than, than introvert. I go like, that's not me. I'm just as happy sitting on the back row listening. That's, that's me. I'd just be just as thrilled to do that. Church planners must be more, they must have like, be more like type A personalities and be gregarious and outgoing and be the life of the party rather than I'm like, like, not me, not me, not me. And I'm like, like, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> like, how is this gonna work? Lord, what have you done? You know who I am. Why'd you call me here knowing who I am? So I take the book, I'm like, Mary, like, look at this. Everything it says, true story. Everything it says, I'm not. And Mary said, would you please stop reading that church planting stuff? <laughs> like, why? She says, do you, did, did God call us here? Yes, okay. You know, I do know it. I really believe it, but that's not what this guy says. And he's the expert in church planting. Says, just stop reading that stuff then. Because in that moment, what happened is I was like looking in the mirror. Like, but that's not who I am. And that's who they say is, but that's not who I am. The Bible describes who we are and who he has and just who he's created us to be. And he's created us with this, 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 this need to depend on him. Because if we got all the gifts and talents and we got everything we need to succeed at what God's calling us to do, it's probably not God because he always puts us in situations where you have to depend on him to make it, to succeed. I don't like it that way, but that's how it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not humanly what, what, what's like, oh, this is awesome, this is gonna be so great. But it's what happens. This morning as I was just, or this week, excuse me, as I was just thinking of this whole message today, I remembered that some years ago I'd found a little track, it's called, who I am in Christ. And uh, in it, there is a pile of descriptions on who we are in Christ. I am highly esteemed. I am God's child. I am loved by Christ. I am forgiven of my sins. I am free from all condemnation. I'm a new creature. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am reconciled. To, and it's just, it's all scripture. It has the, 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 the statement and then the supporting scripture. And 
so, and I, I, I give these to people when we're talking at different times and I feel like this would be beneficial to them. And so anyway, I have 12 of them. <laughs> and so they're back at the next step. So if you would like one, you can get one after the service. And then next week, if, if we run out of 12, uh, next week we'll buy like a couple hundred of them and just stock the, 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 we'll get them to you because it's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so come back next week, or I don't know how long it'll take to get them, because uh, I think we'll run out of 12. But, but uh, in it, it says, this is, who, this is who I am in God's perspective. And so what's the shield of faith? It's knowing the word of God, knowing who he says, and when those flaming arrows of doubt, of intimidation, of fear, of temptation, of all those things come. You go like, no, that's not who I am. That's not who God says I am. God, I am loved, God. Lord, I'm your child. Lord, I'm more than a conqueror. Lord, I know who I am in you. And so the key is always, it always comes down to what does the Bible say and to, start, to looking into the word of God. And so that's it. That's, that's the shield of faith. And I want to just encourage you today and really this week to really just to be intentional about, about, about like getting into the Word. What is, what is tomorrow morning? You're going to wake up. You're going to go through your schedule and all that. But what, what, how, do, how, does it, how will it involve this book? How will it involve God's mirror? Looking to say, God, who do you say that I am? Because that, that's the key walking through those battles. It's the, it's, it's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way. What does God think of you? What are God's promises? What has he provided for you? And so before you read the word this week, I would ask this, you open it up wherever you're gonna read and you say, God, okay, I'm about to read John chapter eight. And so God, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Would you show me just who I am? Would you give me, I want one thought that I can really hang on to today. And we read with an open mind to receive what God's speaking to us and then let him speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, if Jordan and the band would come, let's just, let's just bow our heads if we can do it so today. So, Father, we thank you today for being with us today. And God, Lord, we want to look in your word in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to see who you've created us to be in all of it, oh God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I believe there are there's some moms that are struggling today because they're looking in the mirror. They're looking in the rearview mirror. And I just think there's some moms struggling with an incredible amount of condemnation today. I don't know who it is, God, at all. But Lord, I'm asking that today, God, that you would give them a vision of who you are and the love that you have for them. I believe there's some dads that are really struggling today. Feelings of just condemnation and guilt blaming themselves, God. Blaming themselves for whatever it may be. And God, today I pray that you would just deliver them. Father, there's some young men struggling maybe in the areas of temptation today. And it just continues to uh, slip and fall. And those arrows that are flung at them just burn. Lord, I pray that you would show them, oh God, Lord, who they are and who you are, God, that you've called them higher, God. In Jesus' name. God, there's some young women here today, God, I just believe that are struggling with such feelings of, of just inferiority, that, they're, that they're, they're not beautiful, they're unlovable. 
And Lord, today I pray that you would show them, Lord, how you view them as your daughter and the love that you have for them today, God. And for all of us, God, touch us with your presence today. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Let's just take just a moment of just of meditation and quietness here as well as in Crookston. Sitting on your couch, wherever it may be, can we take a moment of just quiet meditation and thoughtfulness? What's God speaking to you today? What's the takeaway from this service today? What's the takeaway? What can you take home with you? What's the action point? What will, how will tomorrow look different than yesterday because of today and being here in this time? Thank you, Jesus. I love the thought of adoption. Mary and I have not adopted any children. We're not adopted. But I love the thought of adoption. And I just want you to know that what God says, he loves you so much that he, he chooses you and selects you and adopts you into his family. Because he loves you. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't draw us to himself just because he wants to like, put up with you or tolerate you. It's because like with joy, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he accepts you into his family. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.